Welcome back to another episode of Peology. This is a show where the people in the pews get to weigh in on a whole bunch of things. And we've been in a little series called Crackhead Chronicles, affectionately named by Axel. I had nothing to do with that, <laughs> but I've grown to love it. All right. And we're talking to guys about recovery and the recovery movement and all the things that come along with that. And we've got some good friends in the building today talking about that stuff. So I got a question for you. Um, is there certain things that you guys find still to be triggers to like that, that are just like, Hey, once I, once this happens, like that's the danger zone for me. Like I, 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 I get pretty, I get pretty like concerned about my, my potential to either to regress, to go back, to use again. Is there certain things that you're like, Oh man, this is, this is my my kryptonite. I guess this is a great group because we have NA and AA <laughs> and no AA and nah. <laughs> but I mean, do you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you do there are certain things that like trigger you that you're like, oh my gosh, that kind of like what like make me ro- like romance the drug? Yeah, like ro- like uh, okay. So let me let me ask let let me. I'll flip it to another area, and so maybe that'll help you make sense, right? So I deal, as a pastor and a church student, I'm dealing with a lot of people with what religious people would call besetting sins, what, what we would call today as addictions, but we, we in religious communities, we would call them besetting sins, sins that we're doing over and over again that we're not, we're, we're ashamed of, we're not proud of, we want to, you know, we want to get rid of all that kind of stuff. And... For people that are in those patterns, a lot of time there are certain things, whether it's stress or it's anxiety or it's like work problems or relational problems or and all that kind of stuff, it triggers that like that regression back to the very behavior that they've been trying to get out of for whatever, right? I just wanted to know if it was the same for you guys. Well, for me uh, personally, I believe uh, there's kind of like a couple layers with this oh. on the surface. Uh, I think most people think triggers. They think a death in the family, okay. the loss of a job, something big. big. But I think that's the the whole picture. That's what everyone sees. But I think after being in recovery and after relapsing numerous times, um, I can see past all that because I know a lot of newcomers come in the program and, and I hear a lot of times they say, well, if my girlfriend or my wife dies – you know, they yeah. just this hypothetical situation happens. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that. But for me, being through all this, drunk, sober, relapse, in recovery, it not in recovery, just it. I can look past all that and know that no big thing, nothing is going to make me drink and drug. Really, it's and this is just my my experience. Okay, it's, for me, it's always been. Little things. Uh, little things that add up or just little things like the daily grind? Just the daily grind. Yeah. Just somebody pulling out in front of me. <laughs> to, <laughs> they pull out in front and you're like, and to the bar. And then because for me, in my experience, when I relapse, if that's what you want to call it, 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 it has never been something – traumatically big it's always been you know looking back in hindsight it's always been just this happened and then this and then this layered on this and then if i'm not working my program if i'm not staying current 
if I'm not doing my inventory, that stuff just piles up. Right. And, and until it might be something big that happens that sends me yeah. off the deep end. So like but, this, uh, so I mean, like just to go off of what you were saying is like, basically whenever we go into inventory, right? Okay. Uh, there's a part where it says we went back through our lives, right? Nothing kind of much, but like thoroughness and honesty. So like we go back through all our resentments, you know, and, and it's not like we we don't start from like when we were a little kid and come up. We go back from today. Like what happened today? What happened yesterday? You know, like I always tell my sponsees, like what's rotting in your fridge today? Because like you're eating off the food that's fresh in your fridge today. Like mm-hmm. you don't like if you're going to look and go into your freezer, that stuff's got to thaw out a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like to stay healthy, you got to clean and clear out your fridge. Right. Yeah. So like. I try to stay as current as possible with everything. I mean, obviously, like, if you want to go deeper and then go back into, like, all, every single resentment you've ever had in your whole life, like, or every single fear you've ever had in your whole life, or all the conduct, all the bad conduct you've ever done in all your life, you could do that. I mean, you have the rest of your life to do this inventory. But what's been, like, most of, like, what's glaring in your in your life is what's going on right now in your life. Mm. You know, you're like you're not smoking crack or drinking or whatever because of what what happened to you when you were 12, or when you or like when you were a little kid when the when the teacher didn't give you the green crayon and you wanted the blue one, you know, like it's bigger than that. Yeah, it's more current than that. Yeah, it's more well, current. Okay, than that. so take this back. Like, let let me ask you this. So go back to your last relapse. Was there something that set you off? Set you down that road? Um. For one, I didn't actually work the steps. Okay. So, so I mean, again, you go back to exactly what he's saying. You're like, hey, if you're not working the steps, you're, you're at a place of vulnerability. Yeah. If you're not working, if you're not, you're not being devoted in your recovery. If you have, if you haven't done the steps, right? Yeah. Like anything, like you could just have a normal day and one day just out of nowhere, just like to have that. What I was talking yeah. about, uh, like me, a, we have a strange mental blank spot. What it call, what it talks about, like my mind would just go. You know what? It'll go straight to all the good times, and I won't remember any of the bad times. Mm. Like all those good feelings. Yeah. Like so, you romanticize the good parts, but forget like how it destroyed your life. Yeah, but then like (laughs) with with working the steps conveniently, (laughs) what working the steps does is like like that connection with God. It's like God reminds me of all the bad times. Like mm. we had to saying, like play the tape through. I'm like, I'm not capable of playing the tape through by myself, right? Okay. But God allows me to remember. I'm like, you know what happened last time? Like you shouldn't date a stripper because she might <laughs> offer you ecstasy. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Strippers come with drugs. That's not where I get my ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah, about you, right? strippers and ex just go together typically. Is what you're saying? I mean, I would have to agree. <laughs> I would have to agree with what you said. And for us in, in NA, we we practice, I guess, because in theory that makes sense. But how does that help someone that's just walked in that has 30 days? You can't expect them to have worked the steps at that point. Yeah, I do. So, like, if well, you're, if you're desperate the, well, enough, right? You correct. But, but nobody's yeah. gonna work 12 steps in. in in 30 days. I did it in 45. Okay. So, but you're, you're, you're the 1%. Uh-oh, here we go. He's an overachiever. No, no, you're the billionaire of recovery because 95% <laughs> of the population in NAN and AA do not work it that fast. So, 
Um, I agree with you. So and you for know, the masses, for the masses, I would just say that it's for me, at least for me, because I'm I'm about to be um five and a half weeks from three years of being clean and sober. And what are the times that, I'm on step one? That, but what are the times that worry you still? Like, what are the times where you feel the most pressure? That I mean, you, I, that you've you felt most vulnerable. Honestly, at this point, I have to look at myself and say, I lost my father this year. Yeah, I, I, like, I was. You know, so I, I was I, proud of you. Like you nailed that. I, you know, I lost my first sponsor. He yeah. meant a lot to me. Yeah, yeah, that was like tough. a lot. Like, like, and this may suck to say, but like, I probably cried more for James than I did for my own dad. Yeah, if that's if that's kind of weird. No, that's not weird. I understand what you're saying. I, I had a real like we. You had a bond. We had a bond. He understood. He understood me like no one, like not even my own dad, because my dad wasn't. No. He had his own addictions of gambling and stuff. But um, I think for me, it comes down to reservations. Like I've managed to. I don't set those expectations where like if I do this, if I do that, I'm going to use, or if I look, you know. And and for me, in addition to that, because I'm just analyzing me, I haven't worked all the steps. I'm still just finished step one. I'm on step two. Haven't even really started it. Right, yeah. but my connection to Christ is what's helped me hold the dam in place because it's still a dam and it can flood at any minute. Mm. That's how I feel. Um, but uh, I remember though us talking, like even when when your dad died. I remember we had like just a short conversation. You're like, I don't know if you said you were worried or if I said, "Hey, I'm worried about you." Right. But I was just like, "Hey, like let's not lose track here. You've right. got a lot of real success over yeah. these three years. Let's not throw this this crap away." Yeah. And um, just to like clarify, yeah. So like, when I came back, I already knew the book inside and out. So it's not like, I mean, I worked the steps in forty five days because like not only out of, of fear, but also because I knew exactly everything. Like yeah. I memorized like the first year and eight months, I memorized that book. Yeah, you know, like I like I know it inside and, and, and you out. See, I, I'm I so glad you said that because I'm like, you worked all the steps in forty five days after um, I relapsed. Well, I, I, I don't have relapse in my story, and I'm going to say yet because we don't really know, right? Yeah. But from from my experience, I'm the other way around. I have this crazy fear that the way I'm built, that if I finish all 12 steps, I'll be like, I'm cured. That's it. Well, I nailed it. never really finished. I understand that, but that's how I feel. Yeah. So I'm I'm like afraid, and I'm probably possibly, like you said, I'm afraid to dig into the freezer because I know that's where a lot of my problems lie. What do you What do you mean? Just like the old stuff, the stuff, the, the, the stuff that I know I'm not dealing with. Yeah. The old stuff, you know, like I'm I'm yeah, dealing with stuff. I'm, frost. I'm, <laughs> I haven't even yeah. I haven't even opened the freezer. Let's open even, up the freezer. <laughs> we go. Yeah, no, that's a, yeah, I get it. That's a scary thing to start dealing with. Like, so, I, for me, I think uh, of this group here, I'm probably the one with the least amount of time. Um, you know, I relapse. After five years. After five and a half years of... What was it that triggered that, do you think? That's the thing. You In don't hindsight, it, was it wasn't one thing. It was a combination of... I work... See, I've been in and out of AA for years. What was I, that day like? I'm sorry. I just wanted, It was a, not a cloud on the horizon. Day. There was not a cloud on the horizon. It was a beautiful day. Um, I was you off. weren't like in a weird social setting. You were like, okay. I'll, well, I mean... Here we go. You were no, off of work. It wasn't like that at all. Um but through, you know, looking back, I could see all the pieces that fell into place or fell out of place. Um, you know, I was working this amazing program. You know, AA was great. I loved comp. Well, I didn't like I still don't like meetings, but um, I loved the program outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, 
so anyway, I'm living this awesome life and things started piling up and I, and before those things started piling up, it was, I don't really need to go to AA anymore because I know the book and th- those people in those meetings are, are stupid because they don't even believe in this stuff. They just work their own program and just whatever, you know, and it was just these small things that just kept adding up. I quit going to, you know, Park Place, the treatment yeah. center that I used to love going to and talking to these guys. And then it turned into... Well, they don't listen to me anyway. None of them stay sober, and the majority of them don't. Right. Um, you know, I never – they never call me back. Sponsees, you know, dropping off left and right. I don't need to do this. And then I – and uh, what was the other one? Blackberry, the other yeah. treatment center. I quit going there. Same reason. Yeah. And then it turned into I have a daughter, so I need to be home, and I'm married, and I need to be home with my wife and, you know, all this stuff. And then, you know th- – I got hurt at work and then I was off of work and I was bored. And then uh, my mother-in-law was living with us and I would cause me to drink. (laughs) Thank you. Come on. (laughs) I think I'm crazy. You know, know, but I'm just trying to outline all this little stuff. No, I think what you're saying is super interesting. So think about it from my world, right? Like I'll parrot it back to you. Like I get this all the time. But On the surface, you would just see. Oh, he drank because he stopped going to meetings. Stopped going to meetings. Yeah, that because that's what everybody. When I came back, that's what everybody oh, thought. You stopped going to meetings. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, that's what happened. I stopped doing my inventory, my daily inventory. I stopped right. working the program. Stopped had, helping others. I and most and foremost, I stopped helping others. Yeah, and I was just at home in my own little world, just yeah. doing whatever I want. And then one day, uh. You know, that strange mental blank spot. I thought, well, oh, so the other big thing, the other thing that everyone would say is I was getting pain pills for Mm -hmm. my back because I was really messed up. And, you know, being 100 percent honest, I was taking them as prescribed ish. Ish. <laughs> um, it's like I can read. I can but it's read. not like I was getting high. <laughs> right. But the thing is, I wasn't being. I wasn't being transparent about it. Right. And like, in my mind, my head was saying, "Brad, you're doing a really good job controlling the pain pills. Yeah. So, what if you just bought a bottle of scotch and just had it up in your little room upstairs and just take a couple little swigs just to feel." This is my thinking after wow. five and a half years yeah. sober, wow. after yeah. my entire life being transformed into something that was completely unrecognizable, um, you know, from a homeless crackhead living on the street to living in this beautiful home with a beautiful wife, a good job, all this stuff to think maybe I could just drink some scotch. Um, so I went and bought the scotch. Hmm. Would, you, would you like to know how the experiment went? Yes, yes, yes. Please tell us. I'm like, you got me all in right yeah. now. Be, being that this is uh, the Crackhead Chronicles, this yeah. is the perfect story. So <laughs> after five and a half years of being sober, I thought I could drink some scotch. And I went and bought... Uh, you the know, biggest bottle. The biggest bottle. It was funny because I went. <laughs> I know. And I, beg, I know. and I vaguely remember talking to the guy because I wanted Chivas Regal. That's the good stuff, oh, right? Yeah. And and I'm like, hey, do you have this in like a smaller bottle? And he's looking at me like, 
no, I don't think so. And I'm like, all right, just let me get the bigger ball. Anyway, so I took a couple swigs. Um, I felt, I felt that sense of ease and comfort. I said, wow, you know, this is, I'm good. And I vaguely remember drinking the rest of the bottle straight. Like I never even stopped. One's too many, just, a thousand's never. And I just kept remember drinking it. And, In the same day? Oh, yeah. Within hours. <laughs> oh, a, a fifth. Yeah. A um, fifth in an hour? In hours. So, wow. you know, not to get too crazier, but that night in this uh, drunken stupor, um, I don't remember, but I got the great idea that I could go buy some crack. Right. So I, I don't know how that worked out. Anyway, I find myself over on OBT, and I'm buying crack. <laughs> and, and, the, and the crazy Everything thing... Everything starts and... and <laughs> starts and, <laughs> but the crazy thing is, is when you get sober uh, for any length of time, uh, you start to acquire some money. Yeah. And your bank account. Yeah. And you have money. It's yeah. Beautiful. And, you know, when you go out and I don't know who, I don't know everyone's story here, but when you smoke crack, you need more. You need more. You don't have and, enough. And, and the uh, the good part is like when you've been sober for a while, you got money. So yeah. just imagine me being five and a half years sober, um, straight. You know, I kind of looked like this, you know, in my car on OBT. With hundred dollar bills, buying crack off everybody I saw, and you know, but yeah, they thought I was a cop. They literally ripped the—I don't know who they were—ripped me out of the car and made me yep. smoke right in front of them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, and they're like trying to rip it out of my hands, like that's good, dude, that's dude, dude, that's good. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's all funny now, but it was really it's sad. tragic. Wow, that you know, I was drunk, I was buying crack. Um, I could have been arrested and this is what kills me the most out of the whole situation. And I, I see it every week, every week when I go to park place, which is a treatment center, 28 day program and Blackberry 28 day program, they all say, not all of them, but a few of them will say, well, I know I'm not going to drink again. I know I'm not going to do drugs again because I love my kids. I'm doing this for my no. kids. Somebody always says that. At least one person out of the whole entire group. And when I got that thought to drink that scotch, the thought of my daughter didn't cross my mind nope. at all. Wow. Not one single bit. And I can remember years ago somebody saying, "Brad, you're going to stay sober forever now because you have a because now you can do it for your daughter." And I think the, one of the things that people don't understand about this thing is we don't have the power to stay sober on our own. I don't have that power, um, and somehow through doing this work, I've found the power to not do it. And then you get the people that say. Um, I won't say his name because maybe he might hear this, but personal friend, not in the program, but he doesn't drink or he, he used to drink and he used to even smoke crack, but he stopped one day. He said, this is enough. I'm done. It's over. He is not an alcoholic or drug addict. He can just stop on his own. Um, I can't, I've tried it, you know, and, we, and you know, what's funny about this, right? This whole story is, um, what's your new sobriety date? 
April 1st. <laughs> not funny. It's not funny, but but um, you got to find comedy in the pain. That's And funny. then, you know, somebody actually sent me a text today or yesterday, the first, you know, happy nine months. And and it really – well, so I didn't finish the story. So I went and I, I was buying all this crack, um, you know, because it wasn't enough. And maybe if I buy $200 more here and then – because down on o- OBT, I don't know if anybody knows that spot. They literally run to the car. Run to the car. Yeah. What do you want? And, and I was just – and I finally got a a, a very nice a hotel room oh. over there on 192. Mm. Very nice. Classy. Classy place. Um, and I just sat there and, and and it's funny because Did you go in and say it's the single rate. <laughs> I, I forget, but um and I can remember sitting there after I smoked the last of the stuff and I believe after looking at my credit card, um I think I I pulled out twelve hundred dollars within a few hours. Um and and I can remember sitting there after I'm done, and I can remember thinking, do I just go get more money and see if they're out? You know, it's OBT, I'm sure. They're, Brother, they're up. Always. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And in that thought of what am I going to do, they started knocking on the door. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm th- you know, I'm st- yeah, yeah, I'm going to jail. It's the cops. Yeah, yeah. It's cop. I'm going to jail. Yeah. I don't know what I did, but I'm going to jail. They know I'm here. And it was the people there. And I heard somebody saying something. And it, uh, and I can just remember thinking, oh, I'm going to have to face the music. Anyway, I went out, and it was my sponsor. Wow. Um, so I used a credit card, and my wife saw that and knew where I was at and told my sponsor. My sponsor actually came, came down, down and got, you. And got me. And drug me, you know, he didn't drug, drag me out of there. And, um, but, you know, in that whole story is, and I want to jump back to the text I got with the guy saying, you know, happy, what do you say? Nine months. Yeah, yeah, nine months. Nine months. Um, I, I, I thought about that for a little while. And I thought about even the time that I had sober before that relapse. Um, I thought about that. And did I really have five and a half years sober? I don't think so. Right. You know, these, we put these, we put this time, you know, this, this numeric number to our days and. You were just abstinent. Yeah. I mean. That's it. Yep. You know, so this whole, you know, how much time do you got and this and that. I don't, I'm, I'm done. It's a one day at a time program. I'm so done with this uh, time thing. Celebration after I relapsed and I came back, I'm like, I'm not going to pick up any coins. I'm like, it's uh, it's almost like you're saying like, what? Like, you could be not using, but that also could be a facade or the or the calm before the storm. Yeah, because you're not really doing the. That is a lie to myself. I, I heard a speaker one time say, and I'll never forget it. He said, at the end of my day. If all I can say is I didn't use or drink today, that's not a success. At the end of my day, right. if he said, big deal, big deal. You know, John over there has never took a drink in his life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what do you want? The, the cat hasn't drank in 16 <laughs> years. Yeah. What he's saying is 
it's like, you know, trying to be happy, you know, one, wanting to be rewarded for going to work every day. Okay. That, that's what we do. We go to work. Yeah. I don't need to be rewarded for just not drinking. It's what, are, what did I do to, in my day today? Who did I help? What did I do positive? You know, like, like you said, the cat's been sober for 16 years. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting, the, the, that perspective. I hadn't thought about it that way. I mean, I don't want to sound harsh. You know, in the beginning, I think, you know, it's tough. And, you know, sometimes that's all you can do, just make it through the day. But, you know, this program, when I say this program, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous isn't about just not drinking. I mean, it's if it was just about not drinking, I wouldn't be here or I wouldn't go to meetings or I wouldn't go to these treatment centers. I wouldn't go sponsor guys. I would just not drink. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes no. I find it pretty interesting uh, listening to like people's story because um, uh, I'm not an alcoholic or an mm-hmm. addict or anything like that, but I grew up around it. I'm, uh, you know, Axel's my brother and like I, I've had uh, drug addiction in my family since I was uh, young and stuff. So I remember when I was younger, I used to get really resentful towards uh, like addicts and like drug addicts and alcoholics and stuff like that. Cause- now, did you, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but. This is perfect. You're here. Mm-hmm. Did you think from your point of view, were you thinking, I can do it. Why can't they? Yeah. yeah they're like, there's that part of it, right? Like there's the, uh, I will see somebody like uh, you know, my brother or my father or something like will go out and start using or doing something. And I would get like really angry because I was like. You're you're messing up not only like your life, but you're messing up our lives. Like uh, yeah. it's like as I was living in hell, like with somebody that's uh, like an addict. It's like it affects the the family just as much as it affects the the addict itself. And when I was younger, I was definitely like I didn't have that mindset yet. I was like. Uh, just really resentful, really pissed off. I was like, these people are like, they're idiots. They're stupid. They're like, well, they're like, what the hell they're doing? Like, they can't just stop. And then, like, as I've gotten older and I've like been more uh, retrospective of, uh, of everything, and I started just kind of realizing, like, oh, yeah, like well, this. You, really- you've been going. You've been going to meetings, though, right? You yeah, I go to so meetings. What, how, has like that different. changed your perspective more than just going back in time? It's like it's my part of it is like just uh, me getting older, just kind of like thinking back uh, on a lot of things, and then also like going to the meetings, and um, I've been also listening to the, the the audio version of the AA book and everything like that, and like and I listen to a lot of like audio books in general, but uh, and just kind of trying to understand it because like uh, I think I didn't really understand. And, and and just talking to other people that never had these kind of issues and I, I talk about my story and like and all the things I've had to deal with in my life with like addicts in my family you know that kind of stuff that like a lot of people just don't really understand it yeah. and then like so when I just start telling them like it's not it's like I've become more compassionate to yeah. uh, people that that had this addiction and, and all that That's kind fair. of stuff so I'm like it's, it's not that they don't want like they don't want to be doing this but it's like it's just something that is, this is in them and it's, it's hard to stop. I like your, I like the way you described it. I it, I think it's interesting, right? So like I'm trying to compare it to something that makes sense for the person that's listening that's not an addict. But I, you know, for instance, I, I do a lot of, like I do a lot of counseling. I do a lot of marital counseling, right? And you'll run into couples every now and then who think the goal of marriage is to not get a divorce. It's just like, let's just make it through, no matter how miserable it is, no matter how bad it is, no matter how unfulfilling it is, right? Like, as long as we don't get divorced. As long as we don't get divorced. As long as we're together, 
we're successful. That that's the success, right? And what you pull either of them aside and go, "How's this working for you?" And they're like, "It's miserable." You know what I'm saying? But they're but they're like, "Hey, you know, they're 20 years in, 30 years in. They're like, hey, we at least didn't get a divorce, as if like that was the goal." You know what I mean? And I think that's an interesting perspective you have on sobriety. It's like sobriety is not just not using, right? Like it's reorienting values and reorienting fulfillment and reorienting service and reorienting purpose, all these yeah. things. And if you're not doing that and just not using, it probably is the calm before the storm. There probably is uh, you're putting yourself in a, in a situation where you're Yeah, I, I think, you know, looking back, if, if I were to use this sobriety timeline, whatever you want to say, however much time, you know, I could say that maybe honestly when I picked up my four-year – medallion i right. probably earned that if you will right but my five year that i picked up i probably didn't because at that point i was already sliding right um sliding back into just not drinking one day at a time and that's no way to live when I, did you stop making meetings I, I can't really put my finger on that um you know somewhere in there somewhere in that five year after you picked up your medallion because you went to me oh yeah i got my medallion said said a few words months maybe or more at the end of it it was more of uh limiting my number of meetings i used to go a lot and then then you picked up your five yeah and then it it turned into just going but but i like what you said too It, it like it's almost like if left unattended, we will grow and we will pride will take over, right? And so I love your descriptions, right? I started looking at the people in the meetings. And I said, these people aren't really doing the program anyways. Why am I showing up to these things? I started looking at my sponsees and they're like, they never call me back. Like you start to just view it through the lens of selfishness and, yeah. and through self. Selfishness right. is is my problem. <laughs> yeah, that, right. yeah. Drugs and alcohol are the byproduct. Are, are yeah. just a symptom <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. of my selfishness. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm self-centered to the core to this day still. Yeah. Um, it's gotten better, but I think drugs just allow us to feed ourselves in that moment. Full the, 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 you know, the ultimate culmination. It's the it's it's the most I mean, selfish killing act. yourself. It's a self harming like, yeah. act. Yeah. Outside at, of like at yeah. the end of it it really yeah. is. It no, but I think that's an interesting point you're making, right? Is that like slowly I became more like consumed with Looking at others, looking down at others, looking at the situation, the circumstances, seeing myself as better or above it or beyond it and not being willing to be humble in those moments. And the second you're down that road, I think you're getting in your own head. And I think it's I think it's a, a, a recipe. Yeah, for I think it, another part of that is is it would be too easy for me to say, oh, I know I relapsed. I quit going to meetings. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's it. I just quit going to yeah, meetings. Yeah. All right, I'll just go to more meetings now. Right. And then I'll just be just as sick yeah. because with it's not just attending. Or I didn't remember my kids. Now, so. what about your sponsor? How Were you still in contact with your sponsor? before? Yeah, you but it was more of a casual. casual. No, it, it was, it it was often, casual. but it got into so, a casual, hey, what's right. up? What are you cooking for dinner? So here's where I'm, where I'm at, right? This is where... I have to listen to your story. Like, I got really emotional because it's like, I see a lot of addicts. In NA, we see a lot of addicts, including myself, constantly struggling sometimes. Um, Except that for us, you know, I've seen a lot of people die. We just had a friend just overdose, like recently. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
There's no chance for him to come back. None. He's done, right? And my biggest thing with this disease, because it's a disease, is expecting someone that doesn't have, it's like expecting somebody with congestive heart failure and you're running and you're like, come on, run. Why can't you just run? I just, <laughs> I have something in me that you can't see that I can't control. And I'm trying and, and we want to run. We do, we, we, we try. And sometimes we're just like, I can't, you know? So sometimes even that pressure from the normal world can get to you because you're constantly trying to do the right thing and the world is constantly, it, it, and again, this is just my my experience that since I've gotten clean, um, like you'd think like, and, and I guess in my, like the story I feed myself is like, I'm clean now. I'm not drinking, I'm not drugging, right? There shouldn't be so much more pressure put on me, but it's not. We're actually getting more and more pressure, Right, so where I'm expected to feel like there should be less pressure and more like, hey, you're doing a great job for something that you should already be doing. Yeah. Right, because that's that's the mentality. You shouldn't be doing crack. Right. right. I didn't didn't smoke crack in a hundred days now. Correct. Correct. Right. Right. Big deal. Right. And and so that's the thing. But you know, we also have to remember. At least I do that. This is just for today program. Right. And if we don't remember how we got there. That day one when we picked up that white chip or that coin, we're doomed to repeat the same fate. You know, and I know it sounds cliche, but for me that staying, even like with church, because I for me, remember I just talked to you about this, like I want, I have to, my faith is number one for me. My recovery is first, obviously. That's but my faith is it's in me, it's part of me. It's not something that I'm choosing to do. It's something that's it's in me. This is something that I have to put the work in. Right, just like if I want to be closer to Christ, I have to put work. But faith is already—that's my center of my life today. So, for me, I wanna I wanna merge everything into one, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's where like I'm always constantly tugged because I want to do the right thing, but I'm self-centered, and I'm still gonna be broken. I'm still gonna make mistakes, and I gotta learn not to beat myself up over them. And I think that's the main thing, is what they call reservations, where you're like. I tell myself, it's just never going to be good enough. Why even try? You know? That self-talks become self-defeating. Self-defeating. Yeah, because my disease is telling me. Or I give the same thought that you have where you're just like, hey, I've been, I can can buy a bottle. I can manage. Yeah, but why go out a couple times and buy a couple bottles? Let's just buy the big one. It's cheaper. It's better price. Let me leave it there. But then I know for me, you know, the play the tape is if I start with a beer, because there's been moments where I'm like, man. I can just have a beer with a burger. Why not? No one will know. You know, I, I think I t- no one will know if I grab a beer from somewhere and guzzle it and nobody sees me. I'll know. Yeah. When I say nobody will know, I'll know. You know? I yeah. won't do it for my kids because I got three kids. I have a newborn. I can't do it for them. Yeah. I can't do it for God. I have to do it for me. You know? So even though I use my selfishness to do bad things, I can also use my selfishness to say, at least I won't pick up no matter what. And stay connected. That's where I was going with this whole thing with the church. If I don't come to church, if I don't stay connected with the community, if I don't go to the homeless shelter, if I don't go do some type of service, like I was struggling that I couldn't make. I think the, the key word there is service. Service. You have to be a service at home with my wife, with my friends, with my community. Community is the main thing. And once we lose connection to the community of NAAA church, whatever thing you're doing in. You you drift away from the pack and 
you you hit the yeah. choppy wood. So like that's a, that what you're saying and like what you you're saying about your kids have like it brought me to like the conversation me and my brother were having at the gym. Like I was telling he was like commending me on like what I'm doing in service for like AA and everything, and he's like, I just want you to see like like show more effort on doing that with your kids, mm. right? And I'm like. I was trying to convey this uh, to him, you know, like, I'm like, all right, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I can go guns blazing, like, full force, trying to fix uh, fix my financial issue and, like, like dive headfirst into, like, just fixing my life that way, right? And then getting my, like, kids full time with me. And then me. coming back. And then coming back and then, like, and then like, I'm, I'm going to have to step away from a step away from service i'm having i'm gonna have to step away from a lot of things that i know is gonna keep me sane you know because like i quit my job right like i I was able to i'm like there's a give and take like with everything so like like if if i sacrifice um everything like like my my community my a uh like uh, fellowship my uh service or anything that i'm doing like currently to go headstrong into like, like marketing myself, putting myself out there, working yeah. a whole bunch of different jobs. So you feel like you have to pull from something to get something. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, so you guys are normal, right? <laughs> Obviously, you are. No, you're not addicts. You're not you addicts. No one ever said that. I don't know. Hold on. Do you? And I'm sure you have a lot on your plate. And I know, Pastor, you have a lot on your plate. Do you pull away from? Do you do you do a little bit of everything daily, or do you say, "Well, I have to neglect." the church to do this or I have to neglect my family to do this or I have to neglect my family or my responsibilities my laundry whatever or 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 my job or do you do you make the time to do a little bit of everything how do you guys manage your life that's a tough question I I, I guess what I would say is that priorities prioritize but do you do like of all your aspects of your life do you do you say okay well I have to neglect this completely for a period of time to get it stronger later? Or do you say, at least I have to devote have a little bit of time that. to that? I have done that. I'll tell you, I'll give you an illustration. And I'm talking big stuff like family, oh, no. work, you know, the no. main stuff. Because we addicts, you see, we're good at saying, well, I, you know, like I'll leave my family at home and I got to go to work and make money so that I can have financial freedom so that later on they can enjoy that that freedom. But I spent no time with them. Yeah, we don't have that balance. For me, that would be because a, you can. But that can. for me, I would change. I would say, well, that's a priority problem, right? Like so for me, like family. For me, family would be first. So I'm just so, giving you a small. So, no, 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 and I, and I like this. So the before family, I had two small kids. Yep. Like I have eight kids. I have I have six kids, but I have two small kids. Right, like mm-hmm. kids under five. Mm-hmm. But before I adopted those kids, I was probably playing golf twice a week. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe three times a week sometimes, right? When I adopted those kids, I play golf three times a year. You know what I'm saying? So like But that's I a hobby. Cha- that's I changed a hobby. my life. That's a hobby. I'm talking about like the, the must do. You asked. No, no, no. I meant like the like No, I'm saying to you that's like a, a problem. child, like, the, the, a wife, uh, a bill, a yeah. home, a job. Those are we have to. Those aren't the ones okay. that what I mean is that's the, what I'm saying to you. I prioritize that first. Right, but we so, will do so that. Like, we will say, "Well, I'm so gonna like, go make like this me money." Prior, like what I'm saying is, like me prioritizing uh, my my program, right, is prioritizing my family, because like if I don't have this, I don't have my family. Like I would, like if I don't have a uh, recovery, trust me. Well, you can have recovery your and spend time with your kids. Yeah, of course, work. but it's not. 
It's, it's, it's a little different when your kids live in Georgia. Just, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. I, I think for me, it's like a, creating like a balance, you know, and, and understanding that there's like there's periods where you're going to have to be more focused on one thing versus the other. Right. Um, and sometimes there are going to be those periods where like you go for weeks or months at a time where you're going to really have to prioritize, prioritize like something over, you know, like. Uh, your work or family or whatever it is if it needs if it's really needs to like fix something but uh you know when you you get to like a day-to-day like aspect right you have to try to find like a balance because like um now i was telling that to my brother you know it's just because like um uh, his oldest son really wants to come uh, live down here and stuff like that and i've he's been living down here for a while and i've kind of i know he really wants to come down here to, yeah. to live with his father and i've been like telling him like hey man you might want to like prioritize certain things just so you could get that you know yeah. situated so you could get you know your son down here and everything like that mm. um but and i know he spends a lot of time like focusing on like the the addicts and uh, all the stuff and like i was saying earlier it's like the addiction doesn't only affect you it affects the family just as much like and i was because like when I said I had a lot of resentment when I was uh, younger, like I had so much resentment towards my father. Like to this day, like yeah. the resentment, it's like, it's like overwhelms me. Like every single day, every single decision in my life, like comes back to that feeling of my father, like, like leaving us and like choosing drugs and alcohol and all that stuff over me, over my brother and my sister. Like all these things that we had to deal with all came down to like, because of that and then like i was telling him like i don't want your son to like to yeah, have same. to have that same feeling i had because like hopefully he doesn't have the the addiction but you know if he doesn't have the addiction and he's gonna like grow up with like you know yeah you're, 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 you're yeah, like so much resentment and like so so much and i was and i'm just trying to tell him like Hey, you know, like it's good to be around there for all the, the the adults, the addicts, and stuff like that in your life. But like sometimes, you know, you might want to, like, you know, that you're also like hurting. What is like, your responsibility? It's like there's a certain responsibility that you have to have. That like, hey, maybe I I can't help this addict uh, this week because I have to like help my son, or you know, and that's kind of what I was trying to have the conversation with him about. Yeah, and like, you know. That I ho- hopefully, you know, and I know it's hard to have a balance in in in, in life. You know, it's, uh, uh, addicts and like uh, just me learning more about addiction and all this kind of stuff is is kind of like and then uh, unbalanced. It's like you you get like really unbalanced and you just go into like this cycle and then next thing you know, you like your whole life gets turned upside down and then like you know your 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 kids, your 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 brothers, your sisters, your mother, your everybody else in your life also gets affected. And so so sometimes it's good to like kind of focus on them too to make sure they also are good. They also need help as well because like you know the addicts need help, but also the the family can also need help as well. Yeah, I, I think priorities. Uh, the the thing that kept ringing in my mind was priorities and balance. Because that's what I struggle with all the time, but then there's there's two sides of that also. There's the person. Uh, how do I want to word this? There's the person that goes to twelve meetings a week, and their family sits at home and wonders where they are. Okay. And they just say, "Oh, well, I got to go to my meeting. I got to go to my meeting. I got to go to meetings. I got to go to meetings." Mm-hmm. 
and they're not building their family. They're just hiding in meetings. And that's my, my opinion. I agree. Um, but then there's the guy that goes to one meeting a week, if that, and says he's, I got to be with my family. I got to be there. For, they're doing, it's, it's about balance. About balance. Yeah. Um, you know, I see. And it may be different in different seasons, and it, different ages. Yeah. And, and for me personally, if I had, you know, I don't know the whole situation, but for me, it's always, I look at my week and I look at what meetings I can go to. I, you know, I try to hit the treatment center Friday and Saturday night when I can. Most times I can. Um, you know, I got class Monday and Wednesday night. So I look at my Tuesday night. That's, you know, I could be with my family that night. Now, I'll just say this. Um, when I did hurt my back, you know, they told me to exercise and all this stuff and get physical. And, yeah. and I was starting to, you know, get yeah. a little. And I was like, yeah, I need to start doing something. So um, I had this idea because I used to ride a lot of bicycles when I was younger, BMX, mountain bike. And, and we live in Florida and there's not really mountain bikes huh no i said with Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> that's called hard i've never actually i have been hit by a car oh, when i was 16 years old but anyway so i was like man what i need is a road bike because if i had a road bike but then i'm like you know i can't wear the spandex and all that anyway i'm getting off on the deep end here but so i need this road bike that way i can do some exercise and get out and be a little more physical and and so I went out and I got this road bike and I started riding. I even got into these groups and I'm with yeah. riding with all these guys and we got the same jerseys on and I got the <laughs> sunglasses and the spandex and everything, you know. But that was my Saturday mornings I would go ride. Well, Sunday mornings I have church. So now I just lost one morning basically of my week, you know, where I could wake up whenever I wanted to because I work all week. I get up early. And then Sundays I get up early for church and, you know, but what I'm getting at is I lost that one morning where I could wake up and make pancakes for my daughter and, yeah. and hang out and, and do other stuff, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, well, what other, I can't ride at night cause it gets dark. So I put riding on the back burner yeah. cause just cause I had to. And everyone's like, why aren't you riding anymore? Cause they're like, are, are you, are, are you? You know, because they were making fun of my leg hair because I have really long leg hair and the cyclists <laughs> shave their legs. I don't know if you know this. Yes. Yeah. They shave their legs and they'd always get on me every week about my long <laughs> leg hair. And I said, I'm, guys, you got me wearing spandex. I'm not shaving my legs. Uh, but I said, no. And finally, the guy was like, hey, what's up? Why, why'd you just stop riding? And I said, look, I got a family. I got, yeah. you know, Saturday mornings are like really my only day to ride. Um, but I just can't do it. But. Um, I spend a lot of time with guys and I say this to them. I say, it's not that you can't do it forever, but your kids are only on this age once. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you got to be able to prioritize at such a level that you go, okay, look, I'm in a season where it's not about me. No. You know what I'm saying? This kid, this kid needs me. They're only this age once. I'm going to give them, give them the time that they need. That's all I can do. And if that means I have to make some sacrifices to do it, then I'll do it and I'll get back to it later. Yeah, and, I, and I'm still looking at options of when I can get that day of riding back in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As of right now. And it'll just, come. It'll come. It, it'll come. You know? But see, now here's my question. Why can't it be every other weekend? Well, here's the other thing. You know, I don't know. know. Like, we, we always – Hold on, hold adage, on. We box ourselves. This, it, this gets in. deeper. This gets okay, deeper. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> 
I don't know about anyone else here, but I'm a perfectionist. Again, and we box ourselves in. Go ahead. And when you're riding, I don't know if anybody knows about cycling. You got to stay. Once a week is not a lot. These guys ride three, four days a week, and they train. And these guys run hard. But then are you hard. doing it to a computer for you to enjoy your hobby? Because if I love something, a little bit of both. Fl- well, see, I mean, to me, riding, I've rode with slower right, groups. You have to compete. And I'm riding, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I this got, isn't I fun. Got, I, I like to go falls to yeah, the yeah, wall. Yeah. You do it, do it right. You know, as fast as I yeah, can yeah. go for as long as I can go. <laughs> and to me, it, it's not like the show off or anything like that. It's the, I could imagine, you know, people that work out. Yeah. Do the same. They want to go bigger weight or longer. So they ride Saturday or, and Sunday every. I mean, they they ride a lot. Yeah. I've seen and, that like mentality okay. with a lot of uh, addicts uh, in general. Uh, not um, they have this black and white mentality. Yeah. It's like, yes, hey, I'm very yeah, black. If it's yeah. not gonna, if it's not on my terms, or I can't do it this way, I'm just not gonna do it at all. If I get a little spot on my shorts, yeah, I have a stack of shorts in my closet. They look exactly yeah. the same. That have, and they're all the same, same exact color, but they all have a little spot on them somewhere. And I can't wear them because they're same ruined. Here. Same, here. <laughs> same here. If I go like, hey, I'm going to hang out and do this with the boys, uh-huh. play some cards, play some poker, it can't just be one night every couple months. It's got to be, I find myself, oh, they're having one this week, they're having one tomorrow, and then it just I get caught in that cycle. So yeah. I, have to, I have to say, this is where I'm going. And I got to mm-hmm. focus on that. And so, and that's kind of like with the cycling. I, I was like, you no, know, I, get I, it. I just I get don't it. have the time. Because if I do it every other week, then it's like, but I was just proving yeah. a point that you see how we we we. I, I look at that the same can't, thing. Can't. There's no middle ground. It's all or nothing, all the way. On pretty but much. then I, I, you know, I get into these situations where stuff like that, like my perfectionism, if you right. will. Um, you know, I believe that a power greater than myself has relieved me of this incredible desire to do drugs and alcohol. And there's actually some writings of Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, that 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 same power should be able to remove any other complications that we have in our life. And I'm always every time something comes up, you know, with just subtle little small things like annoyances or, you know, uh, this perfectionism trait that I have. And I'm just like. Why can't this power remove this? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like but then it comes down to those character defects yeah. and, and are we really still holding on to them? You know, does it give us a, a, a small feeling of the freezer, uh, the freezer of superiority? Yeah. Like I'm better than you. Cause I, my shorts are cleaner than you you know, you know, I, I don't know. Does it, I, you know, so yeah. I'm always struggle with, when I see these little disturbances in my life, I'm like, I'm the opposite. I show up with ketchup stains on my pants for the cheeseburger <laughs> for the poker games. I'm like, oh, is that mustard? I'm not sure. Do you all think that like that idea of like the like the black and white thinking uh, is like a, a symptom of like your um, addiction and stuff like that? Because like it's almost. When it's like, I'm not going to just drink. I have to drink the whole bottle. I'm not going to just like. But do I don't think we stuff. set out to drink the whole yeah. bottle. But it's like, it kind of creeps in, right? Well, yeah. But subconsciously, like, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't. No, yeah. but I do. I do. I think what you're asking, as, as a person that doesn't deal with substance abuse, um, 
I have noticed that, right? Like, and I never. I've noticed yeah. it's a I've, very common. Yeah. So yeah, if you trait. got like my friends that are like in recovery or ha- are dealing with alcoholism or dealing with drug abuse, I'm always interested because like like I have a buddy, right? And this past year, he had given up. I'd kind of challenged him. Hey, things are out of control in your life. Could you? Can you? He was like, I'm not an addict. You're overreacting. I said, Okay, prove it to me. Can you give this up? You know what I'm saying? Can you? Can you stop? You know, just prove it. Let's let's do this. Let's let's do an exercise, right? And then uh, we're meeting later, and and he's drinking like he's telling me, oh, I haven't had you know beer in I don't know six weeks, eight weeks. I'm doing fine. I told you I could do it. And he's like, I found this vitamin water. I'm drinking twenty of these a day. <laughs> and I'm just like, we we shift, <laughs> we shift we shift our addiction from one thing to another. Do you find that at all? Like you, that you kind of shift an all in mentality to something else sometimes. Oh, it's- it's almost like incomprehensible to like not do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like because once you've given up something that you spend so much time in, you gotta like of fill time it, with something instead else. of filling it with like, I'm gonna with, do this. With adding value to the other things in your family, your yeah, job, yeah. your health, we've filled it with another hobby. <laughs> I think like, <laughs> we're in the same boat. <laughs> like I'm gonna do this exactly how I wanna do it, and if I can't do that, I'm not gonna do it at yeah. all. What's the point? Yeah. Right. Okay. Self will. I think when people it's funny because when I have people over at my house that usually are in the program and they come take a look. I have uh, what I call my pleasure room. Um, I still haven't seen oh. it, but oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> no longer man can identify as a pleasure room. <laughs> but uh, so worried about what you're going to say right no, now. No, <laughs> nobody get it too excited. Uh, um, it's just a room that I have that's just filled with stereo equipment and okay. vinyl records and cassette tapes and stereo equipment, and that's where I go and I sit. How much of it? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> You're in deep. It's, 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 like, it's the whole room. I've seen it on Instagram. Like, it's like, <laughs> he goes in like this. <laughs> no, it's He's actually very. Everything. It's very neat and, and presentable. Orderly, orderly. orderly. But it's just a massive amount of stuff. But the comment I always get when people that have never seen it or been yeah. come up there um, is. You you you're really an alcoholic, aren't you? <laughs> this is your new addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and then and then I take him to my patio and show him all my grills I have. Oh, yeah. And then it's yeah. it's all yeah. he has a pizza grill too. Th- and then they're like, wow, you you really have a problem. But I think that we do go into other avenues, and I don't see a problem with it. Is like my sponsor says, anything's better than crack, heroin, alcohol. <laughs> I mean, if you got to... Now, have you ever done all three to get them? <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Um, uh, I think that's a powerful... I've killed myself several times. <laughs> I just wish I could get that same uh, perfection, uh, perfectionism attitude and, uh, you know, over-the-top excitement over my job. Because then we'd be really. What do you good. do? I, I'm a pipe fitter by trade. So, and I don't like doing. I don't, I, I I don't mean, think you can make that it, very exciting. Like, I, no, I get it, that feeling cool. with my job. And um, but I just you know it's like it's just a job. Yeah. All right, that's about as far as we can go for today, guys. Thank you for joining. I appreciate you guys sharing a little bit. Uh, the stories were amazing as always. I always stand in all of your devotion and level of dedication to your sobriety and i applaud you and keep going all right thanks Thanks. appreciate you guys